0: It is the early morning show presented by 84 Lumber. Put your positive attitude to work at 84lumber.com. Adam Crowley here with you. You know the drill. 412-928-9370 is the number to call. You ring me up, I'll put you right on the air. You can also hit me up on Twitter. Join the cast of dozens there at underscore Adam Crowley. Things had been going okay, maybe better than okay, certainly in the case of Pitt basketball, the Penguins, they've won three games in a row. That streak's still intact. And you thought Ron Hextall was clearing cap space to make a big move. And I guess this can be characterized as a big move because it sucks them into the big black abyss of cap hell, a $5 million player who's no good that's under contract now for the next couple of years. Much to get into, much to react to, and I do want your calls. At 412-928-9370. We'll start with Pitt last night. And it was always going to be tough going into Notre Dame. I know it's not a good Notre Dame team. But we talked about it yesterday on the early morning show. Something was fishy about that line. And I ain't always right. In fact, I'm probably wrong more often than I'm right. I'm not paid to be right. I'm paid to be awesome. Awesome. But seeing that Pitt was a a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against a team that had only won 10 games and only a couple of games in ACC play, it made me think, something weird's happening here. And you can say it's senior day and Notre Dame's going to play really hard, and you could say Mike Bray's final game in South Bend, so Notre Dame's going to play really hard, and they did. That doesn't explain Pitt missing 16 free throws. Maybe nothing explains that. Maybe it's just an off night. Here's the harsh reality, though. That game was sneaky huge because Joe Lenardi, ESPN's bracketologist, says that if Pitt won that game or any of their remaining games, they get into the NCAA tournament. So you still have multiple opportunities here, but it gets harder. That was the most winnable game left on the schedule. Now, all of them are winnable. Pitt is a good basketball team, but you got to go on the road to Miami against a ticked off team that lost to Florida State, a team that offensively is really good, and you got to play them in their place for the right to win the ACC championship. You are going to be an underdog in that game. Doesn't mean you're not going to win it. Doesn't mean you can't win it. But it ain't going to be easy. It's tough, we just saw it, to win on the road in college basketball. After that game, you got to go to the ACC tournament. If you lose to Miami, if Virginia takes care of business against Louisville in the final game of the ACC's regular season for them, you slide down... And you're going to be missing out on that double buy if you're Pitt. Which means you could have a tougher matchup in round one of the ACC tournament. So last night was a sneaky big game for Pitt because you had seating all ahead of you. You had a potential banner, an ACC championship share at the very least waiting for you. And you squandered an opportunity. There's no other way to look at it. Jeff Capel talked after the game. They played terrific, and so you give
1: them all the credit. I thought we fought. I knew we were ready to play. We just didn't play as well. We, 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 we you know, we had an off night, uh, which you can tell by you know we've been a really good free throw shooting team all year. We we didn't do that well. It's a lot of things we didn't do well. But I love the fight that we had um, in the second half to have it a two possession game late. Uh, we just needed a couple of things to go our way right there, and they didn't. Uh, so, again, congrats to them. I thought we played hard, uh, but we got beat by a team that played Inspire basketball today.
0: In a way, yeah. I mean, Notre Dame had to hit shots, and they did. They put up 88 points, and Notre Dame did what Pitt didn't do, which was make foul shots. But that game was right there for Pitt, even though they didn't play well. If they had simply – done what they've done all year long at the foul line and I can't explain it and he can't explain it and fans always after those moments well you got to get in the gym you got to shoot foul shots they're doing that of course they are every team does it most teams it's all oh, you got to hit 100 foul shots before you walk out of the gym or you got to hit 30 in a row or whatever it's not like they don't work on foul shots they've been great at shooting from the free throw line all year long probably just an anomaly but in an actually was just an anomaly. There's no probably there. But again, the danger now is, let's say Pitt goes and loses to Miami. You could lose out and still make the NCAA tournament, but do you want to put that in the selection committee's hands? I don't. If you lose against Miami, you put yourself in a position where it's a must-win game in the ACC tournament, things get squirrely in a hurry. So a big Miami game has become even bigger. 412-928-9370, Four one two nine two eight nine three seven zero the number to call. What's up? You're on the air. Crowley, Crowley. Stiz? Stiz, Stiz, what up? Man, I'm a little bothered by yesterday's
1: showing of Ron Hextall. Um, 36, 35, and 35. That's the ages of Malkin, Crosby, and Letang. Um He didn't do anything yesterday to help bolster any claims of, you know, cup championship this year. But what he did do was get older, slower, and smaller and left himself with a million dollars left. It's roughly a million, which eventually is going to hurt him down the road by trying to re-sign Zucker, Dumoulin, and Jari. And that's the that's the the cat nightmare that you're going to run into. And as a Penguins fan, as a, as a Pittsburgh sports fan,
0: I'm disappointed. And with that being said, I'll keep this one short. I love you, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Ah, oh, I love you too. I mean, yep. how, how about that? A little bit of love there. Yeah, it was a bad trade. Bad trade. The, the The thought was that the Penguins were, a week ago, in such cap hell that nothing would be able to get done. Well, Ron Hexto cleared himself of all that cap space, cleared the cap hell, and he brings in a guy who you're going to have to pay $5 million in each of the next two seasons, and he's not a good player. What's up here on the early morning show? Tim from the Tank
1: Brigade here. Ron Hextall is more indecisive than any girlfriend I've ever dated, and i dated some real losers, buddy. This dude <laughs> that cannot shock make me up too. his mind what he wants to do. I The Tank Brigade gave him a ring and said, look, clear cap space, get some of these crap players that you signed off the team. And through, the, through this point of the week, I thought he'd done a great job. He got rid of Kapanen, McGinn's on waivers. He moved Bluger, who I've always liked defensively, but he cannot score a goal. And I was like, now just sit on your hands like you sat on your hands the entire season for 48 more hours, and you might have saved your job. Probably not, but maybe. And he just could not help himself. He's like, no, i got to swing for homers. You don't do homers, Ron. You're a singles player. If that, (laughs) just get on base, you imbecile. He is an absolute jerk-off. Get him shot to the sun, on a La Vista plane, all right? None of those billionaire planes either. It needs to be the lowest quality ship that will get him to the sun because he is a balloon animal and he is full of hot air.
0: You don't want to launch him to the sun on one of those Elon Musk penis rockets? Absolutely not.
1: It needs to be the most insufferable trip possible. Fire Hexall should be going through that stadium every game the rest of the season, whether they're winning or losing. This dude is insufferable. And by the way, real last thing, Well, yesterday you said, should ownership have a say in uh, personnel? And I think they should, because if Mario Liu didn't tell Jim Rutherford to shut up, Chris Letang would have got traded years ago. And it would be great if Fenway Sports Group ever cared about anything that the Penguins are doing, because maybe they could have sat him down and said, hey,
0: don't do that,
1: because Brian Burke is not a good babysitter.
0: Well, how about this? And thank you for the call, Tim, and the fire this morning, my man. Rob Rossi reported that the Fenway Sports Group met with Penguins brass. And that Ron Hextall was not in attendance yesterday. I don't know what that means. I don't know if he's zoomed in. I don't know if it's a big deal at all. And I love Rob, but there's been a lot of him taking shots at Ron Hextall going back to last year's off season. So I don't know quite what to make of it. But I will tell you, from what we do know, just a horrific job by Ron Hextall. I mean, from the time he got here to now, a horrendous job. Because you've got Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin playing well, and you've got both of these guys who are healthy. And if the bottom six had be had been reconfigured over the summer in a more appealing way, I'm not saying this is a team that would have contended for a Stanley Cup, but this is a team that I think would be in a position where they could be fighting for a division, or at least in that 2-3 spot, and you'd avoid the big dogs in that first round of the playoffs And then you kind of see what happens. You wouldn't have to play Boston until the Eastern Conference Final. When you've got Crosby and Malkin playing well, there's no reason why you shouldn't be contending for a chance to make a run. And those guys are playing well. He clears all this cap space, did a good job, actually, ridding himself And it was kind of lucky, but he rids himself of Kasperi Kapanen and he gets Brock McGinn sent down and he gets rid of Teddy Bluger and his $2.2 million and Mark Friedman and he sends him down and you've got all this cap space and you swing for a guy who, he's not slow, that's not the thing with him, as Stiz said earlier, but you got a guy who doesn't score goals, who's atrocious defensively, who's not hard to play against, and he's going to cost you $5 million each of the next two years. Ron Hextall has never had a plan and that was... Abundantly clear yesterday. Hi, you're on the Early Morning Show.
1: Hey, what's up, Carly? It's Damien. Um, I just wanted to say that I'm a little bit uh, sad, disappointed today. Because, uh, I mean, it's been a great season, but Pitt finally gets ranked. And immediately loses to Notre Dame. Like, I thought that was the shoe. You even said it, Um, I think, yesterday. Something was fishy.
0: Oh, we dropped Damien. Don't know what happened there. Let's see if we get him back. Damien, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, that was weird. I mean, that's the thing for me, man. You know, people killed me when Pitt got ranked the other day. Crowley's been saying all along they don't they don't deserve it. They don't belong there. And then they lose to Notre Dame on the road. And you called it. I mean, here, here's the deal, man. Like, they don't have anyone to blame but themselves. I get that it's tough going in there, and it's Bray's last game, and you got all these seniors. I think they had six guys that walked yesterday in Notre Dame. So there's gonna be emotion. And it still wasn't a sellout, but it's close to that 95% capacity. And the place was rocking a little bit. But you missed 16 free throws. You can't lose. You can't. And thank you for the call, buddy. Not only do you miss the 16 free throws, but I watched every second of that game. Again, there's there's bad luck involved, too. Because it's not like Pitt didn't play hard. Because they did. I hate doing that. Oh, they didn't play. No, they played. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that to those student athletes. No, that's ridiculous. They played hard. They missed a bunch of bunnies. They missed a bunch of layups. They missed a ton, a ton around the basket yesterday. And is it fatigue? Maybe. It's a long season, but every team's dealing with it. And it was an emotional win against Syracuse, a guy who called you cheaters. You go out, you put up 99 points. You hit a million threes. You got the Oakland Zoo behind you. And you have Aiden Fish with what he did. So there's emotion there, and it's tough especially for college athletes, to ride that wave of emotion. I get all that. But you miss 16 free throws and you miss a bunch of bunnies at the rim. Uncharacteristic, but it's a bad time to play bad basketball. And that's what that is. When you miss free throws and you miss around the rim, that's bad basketball. And defensively, you give up 88 points. I think Notre Dame was the third best three-point shooting team in the ACC coming in. So they can, they can get the bottom of the net wet a little bit. But a bad defensive performance and you don't, finish at the rim and you miss free throws you're in danger zone like there's no other way to look at this right now now Pitt is absolutely good enough to go out and beat Miami sure they are they are absolutely good enough to go out and make a little bit of a run or maybe more than that in the ACC tournament no question about that but the pressure is on had you won last night there is no pressure Joe Lenardi said you win one more game you're in the NCAA tournament okay Well, you didn't get the easy one. So now it's a must-win game at Miami. And if you lose it, boy, all the pressure in the world on you for that ACC championship. Now, I guess that means it's not really a quote-unquote must-win at Miami because you just got to find a way to win another basketball game. I don't think you want it all riding on a game on a neutral court against other teams that are going to be hungry because they know their NCAA hopes are on the line. Like, that's not what you want. You do not want to set up where you have to win an ACC tournament game to get in. Now, it also doesn't mean that Joe Lenardi's spot on 100%. Maybe Pitt is in already. I think he's really good at what he does. The selection committee doesn't listen to what Joe Lenardi thinks, though. So maybe they're in already, or maybe they do need a win. But you're guessing. That's one of the frustrating things here. You're guessing. And it's a loss against the 199th team in the net rankings. And that is a bad, bad, bad Notre Dame basketball team. And so all the pressure in the world now on Pitt to find a way on Saturday against Miami or to find a way when you go to the ACC tournament. It's white-knuckle time. It's butt-pucker time because an opportunity slipped away last night. Now, this team has showed year in, uh, all year long. They fight hard. And they have risen to the moment a lot of time. I mean, how many close games has Pitt won this year? Where they've gutted games out. Miami the first time. Huge comeback in the final moments that looked more than improbable, and they got it done. And that's not the only example. You go on the road to North Carolina, I don't care how down North Carolina is, you find a way to win that one. It's tough. So I'm not betting against them, not by a long shot, but now the pressure's on. And the pressure wouldn't have been on had you won last night against a bad team. 412 928 your thoughts on Pitt? On Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Ron Hextall, is there any other moves? Has he got anything else cooking? I'll tell you why I'm not optimistic. Next, it's the Early Morning Show 93.7 The Fan. The end of the Penguins era was always going to come, and it was always going to suck. Sidney Crosby in his mid-30s, Evgeny Malkin in his mid-30s, Chris Letang in his mid-30s. Eventually, you just age out, and organically, you falter. But here's the difference between what happened with Los Angeles, a two-time Cup winner, Chicago, a three-time Cup winner, and the Penguins. I look at Chicago, and they went through some cap hell, no doubt about it, but their star players haven't been as good. Okay, so that ends that. Los Angeles, Jonathan Quick was maybe the best goaltender in the world for a minute, and he's been horrific, really, the last half decade. So there goes that. With the Penguins, it's not that the stars aren't good enough. Sidney Crosby on pace for 100 points, on pace for 40 goals. Austin Matthews is one of the great young stars in hockey. Evgeny Malkin, last I checked, has more points than Austin Matthews. You've got Crosby and Malkin playing at the top of their games. That's not why the Penguins are failing here. That's not why the Penguins are fighting for a wild card spot as opposed to contending in the division. It's not that those guys aren't what they used to be. Although I guess they're not all the way what they used to be. At least Malkin's not. Crosby putting up points like he's in his mid-20s. It's because the roster has been shaped terribly around these guys. And Ron Hextall is 100% to blame for that. I can't put any of this on Jim Rutherford in the end of his tenure. Though it wasn't wonderful. He had a lot of swings and misses. I mean, the guy helped you win two championships. A lot of people kicked Jim Rutherford on the way out the door. I don't mind if there's swings and misses when you're also going to hit a grand slam every now and again with Patrick Hornquist and Phil Kessel and Carl Hagelin and Trevor Daly. All those moves. Like, all those things happened. They were real. Ron Hainsey coming in in Chris Letang's stead. Jim Rutherford, without him, the Penguins don't win back-to-back championships. So he hit a lot of homers while he struck out. He was emblematic in today's baseball. Three true outcomes. Homers, strikeouts. Not a lot of walks, though. Whereas you've got Ron Hextall, holy bleep, guys. Brandon Tanev, Jared McCann, two players who were effective in the bottom six, not protected in the expansion draft. You lose those guys. To keep Jeff Carter and Teddy Bluger, Jeff Carter has been no good. And that's putting it mildly. Teddy Bluger, you just traded to create cap space. This is how the bottom six was built. You bring in Josh Archibald, but you re-sign Casperi Kapanen. You bring in Jeff Carter, you sign him to a deal, even though he's a million years old. So those are your two bottom six centers. And Kasperi Kapitan, he's going to play on one of the wings. Maybe you put him in the top six, slides up and down the lineup. He's got versatility, not even a half a point per game player. That's how they shape their bottom six. Meanwhile, Jared McCann's got 30 goals right now. 30 freaking goals. Brandon Tanev, still an effective player. You also bring in and sign Brock McGinn, the Tanev replacement who had one point in the calendar year before he got sent down to Wilkes-Barre, where he probably will remain and absolutely should because the guy can't cut it right now at the NHL level. So you got Crosby and Malkin playing as well as anybody could ever have hoped at the latter stages of their career, and you gave them maybe the worst bottom six among teams that fancy themselves as playoff contenders in the entire National Hockey League. When this era was going to come to an end, I assumed that it was just going to be because, well, Crosby, maybe he's more like a really good number two center now. And Evgeny Malkin, he can still produce on the power play. But five on five, he just doesn't have the legs anymore. That's not what's happening. And it's a damn shame. Because, again, I never thought they were going to win another championship. Because the league is young and the league is skilled. The East is a bear. But I thought that they'd have enough to maybe make another honest run at the thing. And Ron Hextall torpedoed the thing to the ground. And I could even argue the guy did a good job of clearing cap space, admitting mistakes, getting rid of Kasperi Kapanen, getting rid of Brock McGinn, getting rid of Mark Friedman by way of putting those guys on waivers and sending them down trading Teddy Bluger to create cap space and you're thinking okay here comes a big swing here comes a contract that you're going to have for the next few years that matches up with Crosby Malkin and Latang. here comes a big name that can help the bottom six and impact player and maybe it's going to be too much money in JT Miller at eight million dollars a year which I would not have loved but I'll tell you what I sure as hell would have liked it more because it's a bad contract for a good player this is bringing in Mikhail Grandlin a bad contract for a bad player a guy who, he can set people up. That's supposed to be his strength. He's an assist man. Who are his finishers in the bottom six? Who is going to play with him that's going to make good on that? Right now, nobody. Now, maybe in the offseason you could address that, but Mikhail Grandlin's bad on the forecheck. He's a horrendous defensive player, and you're locked into him now for $5 million the next two years. That's what Ron Hextall did with all that cap space. It was cap hell. How's he going to get out of it? He got out of it. And now he's right back in a similar jam where next year we're going to be talking about the bottom six being bad. And whomever the GM is, probably not Ron Hextall, is going to be thinking, how the hell do I get out from underneath Mikhail Grandlin? What a freaking disaster. The door has been slammed shut on any potential Stanley Cup contention by a guy when you've got Crosby and Malkin still playing at the height of their potential powers at this age. It is a disaster. The guy's got to go. The guy's got to go yesterday, really. Oh, he's been handed a terrible hand by Jim Rutherford. He made it so much worse, and he didn't have to. Yikes. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Silverado's Colorado's back in stock with a great selection. Stop in it online, sunchevy.com. Partly sunny today, highs in the mid 50s. Pony, love the guy, got to disagree with something he put out there on Twitter last night, talking about Pitt basketball's loss to Notre Dame. He said, the selection committee doesn't take into account that this is Mike Bray's last home game, four senior starters want to send him off with a win, all they see is a potential double-digit loss to a team that is ranked 199th in net, no context whatsoever. I mean, why do you need context when you lose to a team that came in with just a couple of ACC wins? and had 10 on the season I mean the context is you still have to win that game I don't care if it's Mike Bray's last day yeah there's human element yeah you're gonna have down performances I understand that but what does Mike Bray's last home game have to do with missing 16 free throws nothing what like Mike Bray standing there and Pitt's like ah, you know what we owe it to that guy What a great ambassador to the game of basketball. Everyone seems to think he's a nice guy. Let's clang, 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 clang. Let's miss all these free throws. Give me a break. Pitt drops terribly in the Ken Palm rankings after that loss to 65th, which is generally in line with the net rankings, which the NCAA tournament committee will look at for seeding and whether or not teams make it into the tournament. So Pitt's got an uphill battle to fight. If they beat Miami, they're fine. But a lot of pressure now coming up Saturday on the road. Hostile environment against a good basketball team. Fan Morning Show pre-show next on The Fan.